You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone podcast right here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Media and, of course, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the show. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Amy Johnson. Happen to be the lead correspondent here at AHL Report. And of course, uh, we are the place for your full, complete coverage of the Laval Rocket and Montreal Canadiens prospects uh, all year long, not just during the actual hockey season. And uh, this is our AHL and prospects uh, related podcast, of course, called The Press Zone. This is, uh, we're actually. St- winding down our sixth season of the show, uh, looking at season seven coming up here on the horizon in a few weeks. And uh, of course, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I would uh, want you to be sure that you do that uh, because particularly once hockey season starts, it's a great place to get all of your Laval Rocket and prospect information. You can do that at the AHL Report on Twitter. We have a great show for you today. I'm going to start off with uh, some rocket news actually. It's uh it's been a it's been a minute <laughs> since Laval has ha- has had any news to really discuss uh, because they've been fairly quiet so far in the off season. They had one small little signing back at the beginning of the off season when they signed uh Torney to a contract. Well, we have another contract deal that we want to discuss with you today. Uh, so we'll get you caught up on that. Also want to mention a new uh, kind of a new honor that the AHL has unveiled uh, this offseason, which is uh, certainly something for players in the AHL to be aspiring uh, to make this list at the end of the year. Um, and albeit, although there is not uh, a Laval Rocket player on this list this year, um, it really was kind of a, a bit of a struggle for, for Laval this season. Uh, the hopes are that we're going to see some some really good Montreal Canadiens prospects on this list uh, maybe as soon as next year. Uh, and then, of course, Patrick Williams is going to be joining me for the AHL Hot Stove segment. Uh, he's going to be here to talk with us uh, about the Calder Cup final because <laughs> it is actually well underway. And uh, boy, it's, uh, it's certainly been interesting. And uh, Patrick is back from 
the West Coast, <laughs> having been there for the games one and two. He's going to get us caught up on all of the action and kind of uh, set the stage for what's going to be the, the, the grind here in the middle of the series. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, we did see another NHL franchise announce uh, their head coach this week, but it raises questions around a very popular and very successful AHL head coach that uh, Patrick is going to talk to us about as well, and that would be in the Calgary Flames organization. Uh, so we look forward to him joining us here in just a few minutes, but first, uh, let's get to that Laval Rocket news. Um, this past week, the Laval Rocket made an announcement that one of their defensemen would be returning for the following season, the 2023-24 season, and that is Olivier Gallipo, uh signed a one-year AHL deal. That's a one-year, one-way AHL deal. Those one-way and two-way deals in the AHL work the same way as they do in the NHL, so this simply means a one-year, one-way AHL deal means that if he is sent down to the ECHL to play for the Trois-Rivières Lions at any point during the season, uh, he can be sent down to, to do that. Uh, he'll just continue to be paid his AHL salary when he does. Uh, that's really the only differentiating factor there. Um, now, Gallipo... Uh, first debuted for the Rocket in the 21-22 season, uh, playing a, a handful of games. And and even last year, he didn't play a full season in Laval. Um, he did play 45 games uh, in Laval, uh, three goals, six assists um, in 45 games. I You know, the AHL is not the easiest league to make the jump to. He was a successful defenseman and an offensive defenseman when he was playing in the queue. Uh, in fact, he uh, played with Acadie Bathurst, the Teton, back in 2018 when they won the Memorial Cup. Uh, and in that same year, he was the queue's defenseman of the year, also uh, racking up the most goals by a defenseman and most points by a defenseman that year. Um, but, you know, the 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 points, <laughs> the goals and the points don't come as easily uh, in once you go into the pro ranks and particularly particularly in the AHL. Um, that 45 games that he played with the Rocket last season, that is his longest AHL stint since uh, he has gone pro. Uh, he, he, he made his AHL debut back in the 2018-19 season with the Providence Bruins after going undrafted uh, two years in a row. Um, so if he only played 45 games with Montreal, uh, excuse me, with, um, with Laval last year, where did he play the rest of his games? Well, he was playing for the Trois-Rivières Lions, the ECHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. He played 19 games with the Trois-Rivières Lions, and there he had five goals and 10 assists in just 19 games. So 15 points in 19 games versus nine points in 45 games. You see how drastic the 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 intensity and difficulty levels between the two leagues can be. Um, so he did a he did a very good job with in the ECHL, earned himself a place uh, representing the Eastern Conference in the 2023 ECHL All-Star Classic. Uh, so he he absolutely performs uh, well at the ECHL level and has made some strides at the AHL level, which is why I think uh, Laval decided to offer him uh, a one-year AHL deal. It gives them the flexibility, of course, they can still send him down to 12 Riviere because we really will see 
an influx of uh, prospects coming into Laval this season, even more so than we did last season. Uh, if you thought Laval was young last year, it's going to get younger this year. Uh, and so there might not always be room in the lineup for a guy like Olivier Gallopo, but uh, it was a, a signing. You know, they wanted to bring back a local guy. He's from Montreal, uh, who who obviously has performed well in the organization at the ECHL level and has started to make uh, a bit of an impact at the AHL level too. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, Olivier Gallopo back for another year. And if you liked getting the news of one new contract extension signed by the Laval Rocket recently, well, I don't know. What would you say if we said, okay, let's make it three instead? <laughs> yes, that is right. Uh, breaking news as it happens. You get it right here first on the Press Own podcast. Uh, just today, just in the course of us uh, recording today's show, the Laval Rocket have announced two additional contract extensions that have just been signed. Uh, that is uh, two more one-year, one-way AHL deals. This is for forward Riley McKay. Uh, and also, as they say, forward John Parker Jones. Now, John Parker Jones is actually a defenseman. He did play a handful of games at forward for Laval this past season, so I find it interesting that they are uh, announcing his contract renewal of him as a forward. Uh, does this mean that they only anticipate using John Parker Jones uh, in the forward core this coming season uh, whenever he does get into the lineup and that he won't be utilized as a defenseman anymore? That remains to be seen. I just find that's an interesting detail. Uh, so both of them getting a one-year, one-way AHL deal. Uh, McKay, of course, uh, played in 23 games for the Rocket last season, two goals and five assists. He was uh, acquired from the Rockford Icehogs. Uh, goodness, uh, back at the beginning of the 21-22 season. Uh, so he played, as I said, 23 games, two goals and five assists. My, I, I'm a, I've got a little bit of a question mark as to why they have re-signed Riley McKay. Uh, one of the biggest things that I did not appreciate about Riley McKay's game is his uh, ability to be completely uh, undisciplined. Uh, he, in the course of his AHL career, um, he has played all of 39 games in the AHL. Um, and he has 152 total penalty minutes um, in in those three games, uh, excuse me, in those three seasons. 118 of those penalty minutes came in the 23 games that he played for Laval this season. 23 games, two goals, five assists, and 118 penalty minutes. Uh, where did he spend the rest of his time? Well, uh, he did play 25 games uh, for the... ECHL's Trois Rivières Lions this past season, as well as two games for the ECHL's Indy Fuel when he was still, of course, with the Rockford organization. Uh, and and he did play the past two seasons mostly more for the Indy Fuel than he did uh, for the Rockford Icehogs. So this is another really an e ECHL level player who was able to plug in uh, occasionally when injuries really cropped up and injuries to the Canadians that forced Laval to lose players due to call-ups to the NHL. Uh, I don't foresee him being a big piece of the Laval Rockets puzzle. And again, just because he's on a one-way deal doesn't mean that he can't be sent to Trois Rivières uh, in order to um, in order to uh, to to get some ice time down there. 
John Parker Jones, uh, of course, as I said, it's a it's a little bit of a head scratcher to me that they're introducing him as a forward. Uh, he had 20 games with the Rocket last season, uh, you know, making his uh, AHL debut uh, last season with a with a two way contract from with the Laval Rocket. So he's upgraded himself from a two way AHL deal to a one way deal. Um, those 20 games with the Rocket last year recorded just two goals and one assist. Uh, this is he's I mean, if there's one thing that John Parker Jones has going for him it's his size uh, he's 23 years old and he stands at six foot seven inches and weighing in at 230 pounds so he's a big boy you definitely notice him on the ice um, but he also you know there's some downsides that come with that the skating is 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 a bit plotty at times I should say um, and uh, you know it's he's got a lot of things to work on in his game uh, as well and so I wouldn't be surprised to also see John Parker Jones uh, back down with the Trois Rivière Lions again this year he did play 17 games in the ECHL for them last season and actually had seven goals and four assists for 11 points down there. So um, all three of these, Olivier Gallipo, Riley McKay, John Parker Jones, these are kind of, I guess you could call them depth guys uh, that they're signing, uh, getting them on AHL deals, but most likely will move back and forth between Laval and Trois-Rivières as injuries and call-ups warrant uh, whatever lineup they will need to be in. I mentioned at the top of the program that uh, the AHL has, as they say, they unveiled an inaugural uh, honor this year. Um, They went through all of their end-of-season awards at the end of the regular season, but just uh, in the past week, they've decided that they're going to begin an annual tradition of also unveiling an AHL top prospects team. I am all for this because if if we all think about it, uh, you know, the AHL is, as Patrick Williams likes to say, it's the second best league in hockey around the world. It is the feeder team for the NHL. It is the development team. It is the, or excuse me, it is the, it, it, it is the development league for the NHL. Um, and so many guys who learn the pro game at the AHL level eventually go on to play in the in the NHL. You even see it right now in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There are a boatload of AHL graduates playing and competing in the Stanley Cup final right now. It's it's absolutely incredible. So I think this is a great initiative by the American Hockey League uh, to at the end of the season say, okay, we've got uh, a team of uh, we've got a list of top prospects in the in in the league for this past uh, this past year. A um, little bit of of kind of like the guidelines for it. Uh, it's determined by the league's hockey operations department, together with the GMs around the AHL. And so this consists of three forwards, two defensemen, and one goaltender who. Again, the AHL's hockey ops department and the GMs around the AHL have all gotten together and agreed are basically the top three forwards, two defensemen and goaltender projected to be the best future NHL players. That's a big accolade to put on the shoulders of anyone who makes this list. That is GMs and the league saying these are the guys who we think are going to perform very well as NHL players at some point down the road. 
So this is obviously a list that anyone playing in the AHL going forward is going to want to be on at the end of any any particular season. Now this year in its inaugural season, uh, alas, there are no Laval Rocket players uh, or Montreal Canadiens prospects represented here, but this is certainly something I could see changing uh, in in the short term, uh, we may. It's very possible we could see a Laval Rocket Montreal Canadiens prospect represented on this list next year. So let's keep our fingers crossed that a year from now we are going to be celebrating the fact that a Montreal Canadiens prospect is considered a top prospect uh, to play in the NHL and perform well. Who did we? Do see on the list this year. Well, um, we have, as far as the goaltender, uh, they have uh, they have dubbed Jesper Wallstedt uh, from the Iowa Wild, AHL affiliate of the Minnesota Wild, as the goaltender on the tops pro- on the top prospects team. Uh, Jesper Wallstedt, uh, exceptional uh, goaltender. It was, you know, he's he played in Sweden before coming over to play in North America. This was his first season in North America. Um, he was at the all-star game this year for the AHL, um, and just had a, had a tremendous, uh, tremendous start, um, for his season over here, uh, two years ago at the 2021 NHL draft, he was a first round goaltending selection. Uh, Minnesota took him 20th overall two, two summers ago. So Jesper Wallstead is your goaltender, your defensemen, uh, some of which Laval Rocket fans will be, uh, <laughs> familiar with. In fact, both of them. One of them is David Yerichek, the 19-year-old Czech, uh, Czechian uh, from the Cleveland Monsters, Columbus Blue Jackets organization, as well as Simone Nemitz, a defenseman for the Utica Comets and the New Jersey Devils organization. Remember, Simone Nev- Nemitz going second overall last summer at the draft, right behind Uri Slavkovsky. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was very, very exciting for Slavkovsky. And then, of course, Philip Meshar going just a little while after that. Those were, you know, the, the three Slovaks that all got selected uh, in, in, in the first round last year. So there's your defenseman. And as far as the forwards, it rounds out with Tyson Forster from the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, the Philadelphia Flyers organization. I know uh, firsthand uh, that from covering from the days when I used to cover the Lehigh Valley Phantoms as well. Tyson Forster, uh, an excellent and exceptional prospect for the Flyers. Uh, really, um, really going to probably make a, a big difference for the Flyers and Danny Briere uh, as he continues to mature his game. Uh, in addition to that, we see from the Rochester Americans, the Buffalo Sabres organization, Yuri Kulich. Um, again, Rocket fans are familiar with Yuri Kulich when he wasn't uh, playing uh, up with Buffalo. And then rounding it out is Lucas Reichel, forward for the Rockford Ice Hogs in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Uh, so really, these are names that should start to become kind of household names if you're a fan of the American Hockey League and the competition at this level. But these are names you are going to absolutely see in the NHL uh, coming maybe as soon as this coming season. So congratulations to all six of these young players. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if we can get some Montreal Canadiens prospects on this list this time next year. All right, we are going to take a quick break on the other side. 
Patrick Williams is going to be here in the studio with me for this week's edition of the AHL Hot Stove. He's going to get us caught up on all of the excitement and action that's going on right now uh, between Coachella Valley and Hershey in the Calder Cup final series. They are two games into that best of seven series. He'll get us caught up on that, as well as we are going to talk a bit about the Calgary Flames uh, coaching announcement that happened uh, just at the beginning of this week and what that means for one of the American Hockey League's most promising and successful uh, recent coaches who is still the coach in the Calgary organization at the AHL level. We're going to talk about Mitch Love on the other side as well. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Press Zone podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling sources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. And welcome back to the Press Zone podcast right here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Radio and a proud affiliate, of course, of the Hockey Podcast Network. Once again, I'm your host of the show, Amy Johnson. Hey, you know, you can find me on Twitter if you'd like to uh, interact or follow there. Drop us a comment. Uh, you can find me at Flyers Rule. Uh, but more importantly, you can find uh, at the AHL Report on Twitter. That's the follow you need to make, as well as this podcast at the press zone. Uh, we come out every Tuesday with a new episode focusing on the Laval Rocket, Habs prospects. And then, of course, we do just give you a bit of uh, a dabbling around the American Hockey League of news going on around the AHL uh, to help our listeners just get a little bit familiar with the guys who are making a big splash at the AHL level, because more likely than not, you will probably hear about them in the NHL uh, coming to a rink near you sometime soon. And it's always nice to know a bit about uh, guys coming up from the AHL before they even get there. Uh, And so uh, be sure, if you haven't done so already, tap that subscribe button. Uh, We really appreciate all of our subscribers and listeners and your loyalty throughout the years. And if you're new to the show, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Uh, Leave us a review if you're able to do that. And if you could really do us a big favor and just tap that share button and just share this episode on your favorite social media platform uh, to let other hockey fans that you know uh, learn about the Press Zone and become listeners as well. All right. Well, I did promise it in the first segment and uh, just there at the end of the first segment before we went to commercial that when we came back, 
the one and only Patrick Williams would be here in the studio with us to uh, have another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. And hey, I keep my promises. He's here. Patrick, welcome back to the show. Welcome back from Cali. Uh, glad that you uh, glad that you were able to take some time for us today and, and be here once again on the press room. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, it was uh, good to get out to uh, Coachella for the first time uh, this season and kind of get to lay the land there and um, see what all the hype's about, like, you know, live and up close. And uh, obviously two quarter cup final games is, is not a bad uh, part of it either. And uh, yeah, now we're back in Hershey and uh, ready for game three here coming up. And um, we'll see where it We'll see where this one goes. This one was, uh, it was a rude introduction for the Hershey Bears. I, their, yeah. It was their first game in California that they had put out uh, since February 7th of 1968. Wow. And, uh, well, they still haven't scored a goal in California since 1968. They have not. Um, yeah, we knew, we knew that Coachella and Calgary were the two teams to beat uh, in the Western Conference, obviously Calgary not there anymore, um, and you've even been saying all season long that the that the you know anybody who was going to win the Calder Cup this year was going to probably have to go through one of those two teams at the very end to get to it, um, and that and that I think we I think we both even talked maybe even mid season about how it you know the West was going to be difficult for an Eastern conference team to beat. Um, and that has certainly been the case so far. Hershey, of course, visiting Coachella Valley for the first opening two games of this best of seven series. And, you know, they, they got beat by Coachella Valley five to nothing uh, in game one. And you could almost say, okay, all right, maybe that was a bit of a fluke. Maybe that was a kind of an anomaly. Um, you know, Todd Nelson, even saying after that game, I think you had, I think you would, tweeted something to the effect of he had a quote paraphrasing here basically that you know okay well the good news is they haven't they haven't played the Hershey Bears yet yeah um, <laughs> that they obviously needed to, to kind of re-rack and and the real Hershey Bears would show up for game two except that they got shut out four to nothing in game two so a nine to nothing goals for Coachella Valley in two games in this series um before we get to to where this series goes from here, can you just describe a bit um, what those two games were like on the ice as well as the atmosphere at this brand new rink uh, in Coachella Valley? Um, well, the games on the ice were they were ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were exactly what uh, the score looks like. I mean, I, both teams. It's it's been kind of funny listening. You know, both teams like they're all saying the right things, right? Like. Dan Bosma with Coachella saying, well, you know, you know, Hershey actually played better than the score indicates and da, 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 you know, and Todd Nelson of, of the bears was saying that, um, you know, that, well, you know, there were penalty issues and we got, we got to stay more disciplined and, you know, but I liked us at five on five and so on and so forth. And, and, and da, 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 da. And, and yeah, there, there's probably some elements of truth there, but like, I also know that, had it not been for Hunter Shepard, um, the five nothing could have been maybe seven nothing, and uh, the four nothing maybe would have been six nothing. Hmm. Um, so Coachella had several point blank chances, even beyond what they you know actually converted on. So um, it was. I, I said this. I, I think I tweeted this that Hershey has not seen anything like this, right? Like, no. 
Rochester had speed. Rochester could transition, but like they didn't have anywhere near the same amount of finishers that Coachella does. Um, Coachella plays both with speed and finish. Um, and, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. Throughout the year, we, we've heard people in the East say, well, you know, the East is, is more competitive and it's a tougher conference and, and this and that. And, you know, Coachella and Calgary aren't for real, right? Like they were just beating up on San Diego <laughs> and Henderson and those teams. And, yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I didn't buy that at the time. And uh, I certainly don't buy it now because, uh, you know, I think if you've actually been watching them, um, you would definitely be impressed. Um, right. You know, right, Coachella, right. Like they had that huge road trip, two months long to start the year. Yeah. Uh, and then the sort of the flip side, they come home and they're home for a long time, which can be tough for teams and kind of no matter what was thrown at them, um, they came through it. Uh, and then they went through five rounds or four rounds just to get to this fifth round. They had to play an extra round despite the fact they finished second overall. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they had to play four elimination games. They had to play a real tough, heavy Milwaukee team in the Western final. They, uh, had to play Calgary, the first overall team. In the best of five, get through that. Um, so, uh, if and when they they win this Calder Cup this year, uh, I don't think anybody can say that they uh, took kind of a you know the easy path or no. like they will have earned it. And uh, they're they're an excellently constructed team. There's really not you know you look up and down the line if you try to find any sort of weak spots or anything like oh okay maybe this is a you know something that can be exploited. And there's nothing right like it's just a deep team top to bottom. Dan Bosma, the head coach, obviously a Stanley Cup coach, uh, Jack Adams coach, and uh, they look every bit the part. Uh, so uh, it, it's an impressive group, and uh, I don't think the Hershey Bears really know what hit them yet. Uh, we'll see game three, but uh, they're not a lot better. Um, the series could be over very fast. Impressive on the ice for Coachella Valley, but it's from from everything I can gather uh, from your reporting and some others uh, seeing on social media and so forth, uh, the general atmosphere and the fan turnout uh, equally impressive for Coachella in in these first two games and in the playoffs overall. Absolutely, I think that's uh, you know, as, as talking to a few people out there, like you know, people that really know the, the kind of the, the the market and and the sports history there, and you know. The big thing for, for that whole region, that Palm Springs, Palm Desert region, is they had never really had a, a pro, pro sports team of their own. It was always sort of like, well, you know, you follow the San Diego teams or you follow the L.A. teams or the Anaheim teams or maybe the Phoenix teams. Um, you know, 30 years ago, they had a single-A club for the California Angels. But, I mean, that's, you know, a generation ago. Mm-hmm. So they've never really had their own team they could call their own. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second part is it was thought that, well, the snowbirds, you know, who are down there, well, right. they'll kind of be the foundation for the fan base, right? Like, you know, you get a bunch of people from cold weather, you know, either, you know, Western Canada or Minnesota or places like that come down and they're, they're kind of have that hockey background and they'll come and kind of make things work. Although all those people have gone home. They're mm-hmm. home. Yeah. And now it's all the locals. And then, they're into it. Like that building was packed. It had energy. Um, it's a little bit of a different crowd. Like it's a much younger crowd. I noticed um, uh, from you know a lot of other AHL buildings. Um, very like very socially oriented. Like in the sense of 
um there's a lot of kind of like almost like in minor league baseball there's those like standing areas um where fans oh, nice. hang out and gather there and you know there's bars i mean i think there were three different bars i saw just you know kind of facing the ice i mean it's a real um kind of like almost like a party atmosphere um with a hockey game going on below and um it's uh it's impressive what they've done there like just you know getting a fan base with no real pro sports history no certainly no hockey background to speak of and you have those fans in the middle of june and it's you know it's hot outside and those fans are packed in that building and uh they're every bit as uh, into it as you know if you'd see fans in you know any other you know traditional so-called hockey market well and i think we've seen even particularly this year with with um how deep they've gone in in the playoffs again i think people had the same um i don't know if i don't want to say misconception but also just kind of trepidation about what the fan base would look like for vegas as well Mm -hmm. thinking that it would be just a lot of like party people that come in you know occasionally tourists that come in and and you know plan a vacation around a trip to vegas to go see the golden knights and and you've really seen the locals really embrace the team there as well um and i think that bodes well for what what is you know we're we're gonna i think reach a point sometime in the next 10 to 20 years where we can't call them non-traditional hockey markets anymore because because the popularity is proving that they're able to sustain uh, very good fan bases. Um, Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, we, we've said this before, like, you know, the sport sells itself, right? Like you don't have to have grown up with the sport or, or have been around the sport or anything like that to, you know, be able to sort of appreciate, well, there's speed, there's, there's the skill, there's the grace, but there's also the, the physicality, you know, of a football, mm-hmm. um, you know, so like those elements, I think they, you know, even if you don't have that hockey connection in the past, I mean, your average person that has any sort of affinity for sports whatsoever can certainly pick up on that very quickly. And, and then it's just a matter of kind of, you know, putting together, you know, learning the strategy, the rules, all that kind of thing. But, you know, like I think you can drop in and it's like any one of us who think back when we became fans of the sport, you know, at a younger age, you know, like for every single person, there was that first time you saw it. You know, there was obviously something that, that grabbed your attention and, and, and kept it. And, you know, it's really no different, I think, for anybody, you know, in a so-called non-traditional market who the first time they see it, they're like, oh, this is this is pretty interesting. This is cool. And, you know, once you sort of are exposed to it, then then you, 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 you latch onto it even more. And I think that's exactly what's happened there. And they market the team really well. That's the other thing. They really get out there. You know, they connect with the fans. A lot of community events, a lot of, uh, you know, like meet the player type things, like all those things you have to do and and you have to hustle at this level uh, to, to really get the word out to the community. But um, if you do, you can see, obviously, there's a big payoff. Absolutely. Um, now, as you say, uh, Hershey has a tall task in front of them. Uh, the series now shifts. Uh, it, it's a they've gone for a two-three-two format, so games three, four, and five, if necessary, will all take place in Hershey uh, before returning to Coachella for a potential game six or game seven. Um, but I think game three is kind of first things first. Um, it's now been it's now been two back-to-back games of getting completely shut down by Coachella. Uh, 
does hurt you know Todd Nelson is a very good coach and and the Hershey Bells Hershey Bears are are a, a well-formed team do they have what it takes to turn it around and start to at least get back into this one game at a time I mean they've got to get some some sort of it's not even just scoring it's just sort of any real production like I mean not only were they shut out they didn't really have many chances either right like Joey Decord's played well but like he hasn't been severely tested um they're you know at least two of their lines, I'd say, are, are doing very little. Um, you know, you can tell, like, they miss uh, Mike Scarbosa, who's been out, you know, since the Hartford series. Um, you know, he's kind of the the guy that, that makes everything work there. Um, and they're, they've never been a particularly, like, you know, they're not a Coachella in the sense, like, Coachella just got, has abundant offensive talent. Like, they have to, you know, they have to win a lot of one-goal games, Hershey does, and, you know, like – the margin for error is a lot smaller. And um, if any of their, you know, guys that can score some, if any of them run cold, this is what you get, right? This is, this is, this is a challenge for Hershey, right? Like yeah. they just don't have um, that scoring depth that, that Coachella does. I mean, Coachella can score all four lines. Um, they generate things, you know, from the defenseman. I mean, just Hershey doesn't have that. Hershey has to rely on defensive play and, if there's breakdowns there, which there there certainly were in the first two games, um, this is what you get. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'll be interested to see. I think like you'll see Hershey come out flying the first ten minutes. If they can get something, then they might be okay. But I've noticed with them, if they don't, they tend to sag after that. Mm. Whereas Coachella, you know, will kind of start like they tend to feel things out a little bit, and then they sort of balance like second period right like they, they they get the lay of the land they're, they're they're patient they're willing to to wait a little bit and then they uh and then they strike and they, they did that both nights to hershey uh, for the most part um so I'll, i think hershey has to guard against that letdown if they do um get held scoreless early on in the game well, this one will be uh, a fascinating turn of events to to watch we've got uh, game three coming up uh tonight actually on Tuesday night so uh, tomorrow we'll know if Hershey is facing elimination and a sweep uh, on Thursday night for game four or if they've crawled back in and gotten a win on the board and uh, we'll be looking to perhaps tie the series on Thursday night uh, it's amazing how quickly the landscape can change um, but we know that uh, you'll have great coverage of it um, both on the AHL's website, that's uh, theahl.com, and of course uh, on your Twitter timeline, you can find Patrick at pwilliamsahl. Um, the other thing I just wanted to chat with you about briefly um, today is uh, we saw that the Calgary Flames uh, this week have announced their new head coach to replace Daryl Sutter, and it is a longtime assistant coach Ryan Huska. There was plenty of speculation and, and questioning going into this process of whether or not uh, this would be the occasion that they would promote Mitch Love from the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, Mitch Love, of course, uh, very successful in his role. He is back-to-back this year and last year, back-to-back AHL Coach of the Year Um just does a tremendous job um and i i'm i'm sure there were a few eyebrows when when it was not his name to get called um and i just wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit about you know is this a situation where 
I don't know, Mitch Love, maybe Huskam brings Mitch Love up as an assistant to get him some NHL experience. Uh, or is Mitch Love of the caliber already uh, that you might see? We've already seen a lot of um, head coaches jobs in the NHL this summer being filled by first time NHL coaches. Is this a situation where whether it's this year or very soon, someone else could could swoop in and scoop up Mitch Love? That's an interesting question. I, I, if I had to guess, you know, I'd say they probably split the difference. He ends up as a Calgary assistant coach. Mm. Um, you know, just for the sense of like, all right, so there's not really anything open right now as head coach around the AHL, and, and he still has a contract to go to. So yeah, I don't think he would go somewhere else as an assistant coach. Um, so I think for him, it's either as assistant with the Flames or back to back to the Rankers um, as the head. Um, I'm not sure there's much left for him to do it the AHL level though um, so I don't know how useful that would be um, so I would if I had to you know kind of be a you know put a bet on it I would say <laughs> part of the the staff there the new staff and with the flames um, but I mean it, yeah I think it has to be disappointing right like you just just had back-to-back coach of the year titles and you know you're you know you get passed over by the team that you know you're the affiliate uh, for so um, you know, he's still young. That's a good sign. I think Mitch Love's a very level-headed guy, so he'll be okay yeah. in that regard. But, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some disappointment. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't be, right? Like, you know, I mean, that would be only natural that you would be. So Sure. Um, but definitely a name to keep an eye on because because he's he's quickly making a name for himself in the coaching ranks, yes? For sure. I, I would say, you know, next year. I think it's only a matter of time for him. I mean, he's, he's just been successful everywhere he goes. Um, people will say, well, he only has two years of age experience, but he had long tenure, you know, as an assistant and a head in junior, he's had international experience. So he's kind of done, you know, a lot of the, he got in the coaching game really early. Um, mm-hmm. he was only around 26, 27 years old. So, um, he, you know, for, for a fairly young guy, he has, um, you know, a pretty extensive resume. So, think for him um, sooner rather than later he'll certainly be uh, up there full time well this is uh, one of the many many reasons why we enjoy getting to chat with you each and every week Patrick because uh, just about every topic that we could possibly come up with that's uh, centered on the AHL you have a, a wealth of knowledge about it and a lot of great insight we appreciate that um, and uh we know that you have been busy traveling coast to coast this week, so uh, we'll let you uh, get all set for tonight's Game 3 in Hershey, uh, but very excited to have you back again next week to talk about whatever is about to unfold in the Calder Cup Final Series. I'm sure it's going to be exciting. Yeah, one way or another, uh, next week I'll, I guess I'll we'll either be done or I'll be sitting in Palm Springs <laughs> talking to you from there, uh, because then that would have gone to at least game six um if not a game seven um but you know time will tell this this is a weird series so far like i think hershey's definitely capable of being better mm-hmm. but i'm not sure coachella is gonna let them be better <laughs> if, well, that, if that makes any sense if that makes any sense at all well I, it does and uh we'll be we'll be waiting on pins and needles to find out what happens patrick thanks so much for being here with us again today thank you
Well, we thank Patrick for being here once again, as he is each and every week for the AHL hot stove, particularly on a week where he uh, he definitely has the weary traveler stat- status uh, flying back and forth between the two coasts of the United States uh, to cover the Calder Cup final. Uh, his uh, dedication to the game, his dedication to covering, and of course, uh, his wealth of knowledge about the league and the players and the coaches uh, who operate in this league is uh, just beyond compare. And so we appreciate him being here every week. We appreciate that he's a contributor here at Rocket Sports, and we look forward to having him back again next week. Um, All right. Well, that is going to wrap things up for us this week. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this program today. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share this episode with your favorite, uh, with your followers on your favorite social media platform. And uh, next week, we may very well have the answers to who is lifting the Stanley Cup, the Calder Cup uh, by next week. And then all eyes will be turned on to the NHL draft and who is going to be the next class of Montreal Canadiens prospects to add into the organization, which means there will be lots to talk about in the upcoming couple of weeks on the show before free agency starts. So it's going to be a very busy time here at the AHL Report and Rocket Sports. We're glad that you're going to be here with us along the way. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week for another great episode of the Press Home Podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of the Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.